Welcome to Wow Soch, a show where we take you on a literary journey with award-winning authors and what makes the Valley of Words such a spectacular literature fest, running its fifth edition this year. So let me welcome you all to Valley of Words. This is uh, the RST Forum uh, edition of uh, the Valley of Words where uh, we are today discussing a very important topic of India-Nepal relationship, which uh, in this year, at least, along with the uh, whole uh, uh, issue of Corona, has been one of the key topics for uh, people living in this side of uh, the border, especially in the mountain areas, who have uh, direct links with the India-Nepal through the borders, as well as the other people-to-people uh, -people relationship. So uh, let me welcome you all. My name is Krishan Singh I am uh, the uh, member of Integrated Mountain Initiative and Sustainable Development Forum Uttarakhand. Sustainable Development Forum Uttarakhand is one of the uh, proponents for the RST Forum, which is named after Dr. Aristolia. He was one of the founder members of the uh, Integrated Mountain Initiative as well as the Sustainable Development Forum Uttarakhand. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Uh, our panel today includes uh, uh, Mr. Anjit Rai, uh, who has been a career diplomat and also one of the key persons who has uh, been a, uh, a party to forming uh, the new evolving relationship in India, ambassador to Nepal also, and as well as the person who has made the peace treaty possible after the whole insurgency earlier. We have uh, Sri Anas Kapalchalji, uh, who is uh, the, again, uh, Indian Emissary Services personnel. He had served as the Chief Secretary of Uttarakhand and later in various positions. He is also a councillor, governing council member of Sustainable Development Forum Uttarakhand. And then we have Sri Satyadeep Chetriji. He is from Sikkim. He is uh, an academic uh, professional, uh, also at the same time a writer and also NGO activist who heads uh, the organizations like Sati in Sikkim, and also he is a founder member of RMI. So I welcome you all. And uh, today's discussion, we will initially have first uh, round of presentation by each of the presenters, starting with uh, Sri Ranjit Rayaji and then uh, Nepal Chalji and then Satyadeep Chetriji. Uh, let me start uh, by reading out the formal introduction of Ranjit Rayaji, and then after that, I'll invite him to present the backdrop of India Nepal relationship and the current topicality. Uh, Mr. Ranjit Rayaji is an Indian diplomat with 30 years of experience in Indian foreign services, which includes participation in the complex negotiation, both at the bilateral and the multilateral levels, and extensive work in the conflict area crisis situations. Having started his career path in Vienna, where he acquired proficiency in German. He has since held various positions in the international state organization bodies, including the permanent mission to, uh, of India to United Nations, to the UN. Uh, he has been a senior policy advisor to UN missions in Kosovo. Mr. Rai has worked close collaboration with U.S. Assistant Secretary General within the Department of Peacekeeping Operations, DPKO. Uh, in his past role as the Joint Secretary North at the Indian uh, Ministry of External Affairs, Mr. Rai was closely associated with the development of 12-point agreement signed in 2005 in New Delhi between the seven-party alliance of uh, Nepal 
and the city of Maoist. The PAC initiated the peace process in Nepal, uh, encouraged the Maoist rebels to join the peace process, and made the first constituent assembly elections a reality. Those efforts culminated in the Comprehensive Peace Treaty Agreement in 2006. Uh, Mr. Rai has served as ambassador to Hungary, uh, with concurrent uh, accreditation as ambassador to Slovenia, Bosnia, and Herzegovina in 2006-2010, and then as ambassador of India to Vietnam, where he uh, negotiated, integrated the bilateral defense and trade cooperation. He was also a member of Commonwealth High-Level Group on Governments, established by Commonwealth Heads of Governments at the summit in Malta. Mr. I was ambassador of India to Nepal. Using his tenure, uh, he revitalized the bilateral relationships to actively work on the implementation of the Comprehensive Peace Agreement with Nepal, political leaders, and the stakeholders. Uh, I welcome Dr. Rai. Could you please uh, make your uh, backdrop presentation for this topic? Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Thank you very much, uh, Rautela ji, and you know, thank you for that very uh, introduction. Uh, but you know, let me say, you know, it's a great pleasure for me to participate in this Valley of Words uh, forum. Uh, 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 you know, it's it's. I think it's a wonderful initiative, and I'm glad uh, that you know, given the fact that both Uttarakhand and, of course, uh, uh, Sikkim have a very close uh, relationship with. I think it's a very appropriate topic uh, uh, for this forum. Now, I'd like to make a couple of points on the India-Nepal relationship and, you know, then some reference to what is happening uh, at the current point in time. So the first thing I want to say is that this is not a relationship that has been really formed by governments. This is a very ancient relationship and the foundation of the relationship is the people-to-people interaction. As you know, we have open borders, uh, you know, document-free travel. So I think this is a fundamental aspect of the relationship one needs to remember. Secondly, I think we also have to be sensitive to how Nepal looks at India and the India-Nepal relationship. So, you know, try and put yourself in the footsteps or in the shoes of a Nepali. So if you're sitting in Kathmandu, and you look southwards, or you look to the east, or you look to the west, you have this large country that is surrounding you. Uh, so, you know, this has a huge psychological and other impact on Nepalese national identity, on the concept of nationalism. Also, you know, the fact that there are such close cultural, religious, and other affinities uh, between the two countries, uh, uh, this also, you know, has a very strong impact on the kind of self-identity that the Nepalese want to project. And I think amongst the Nepalese leadership, uh, especially in the Kathmandu Valley, uh, also the leftist parties, there's always an effort to uh, demonstrate your uh, national identity, not in terms of what is similar with India, but in terms of what is dissimilar with India. So, for instance, you know, two markers for Nepal's identity are really the fact that Everest is in Nepal or that Lord Buddha was born in Lumbini. And this is something, if you live in Nepal, you see how attached they are to these two aspects or attributes of nationality. So, I think, you know, we don't, as Indians, we shouldn't overstate the cultural and other similarities. 
because this tends to uh, you know detract from you know how the nepalese uh, look at themselves they really want to be independent they want to be fully sovereign and the third element that i want to say is that historically in nepal and especially after king mahindra's coup uh, in 1960 when he abolished multi-party democracy and brought in this party this panchayat system you know there has been you can see the beginnings of this anti-indian nationalism in nepal so you know since this period you have this effort or you have this you know thinking in nepal that really uh, 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 you know uh, nepal has to be wary of india and uh, uh, you know define itself in non-indian or sort of in terms that are different from india and secondly also to balance india in some sense or balance india's influence in nepal in some sense by turning uh, towards china so china has always been a balancing factor in the relationship between india and nepal and you know the the other thing of course is that nepal is very dependent on india for its you know, you know trade uh, international trade for its access to the rest of the world so nepal is always seeking to enlarge its strategic autonomy its political space uh, basically in order to dilute this very very strong uh, dependence uh, uh, on india so i think these are some factors that policymakers need to keep in mind and i can illustrate what i'm saying by the recent um, issue with regard to the boundary and that is something that i think uttarakhand is very uh, deeply involved in and you know this is the whole western boundary area where nepal has uh, basically uh, uh, engaged in cartographic aggression uh, and assertion and you know virtually uh, uh, written 400 square kilometers of territory of indian territory of territory from uttarakhand uh, into its own map and you know i don't want to get into the evidence uh, you know i think india has a very strong case we have enough evidence uh, to justify our claims and and you know we can come to that later if people are interested like this sochcast tune in for more with the sochcast app from the google play store but what i'm trying to say is that this itself is also a reflection of this kind of anti-Indian nationalism uh, in Nepal. You would recall last year, uh, you know, when uh, uh, India, following the reorganization of Jammu and Kashmir, had brought out a new map in November of last year, the Nepalese had protested against this map on the grounds that it showed Kalapani, uh, which is the source uh, of the river Kali uh, or Sharda, as it's known uh, further down in the plains as part of india and they protested and this ultimately led to this uh, issue of a new map by nepal and also a constitutional amendment so uh, you know why did this become uh, such a big issue and the answer to that is that the government of the day in nepal prime minister kp oli's government was under a lot of domestic pressure you know for the handling of the covid crisis uh, for not handling the economic uh, fallout properly, the question of, uh, you know, migrant labor of uh, Nepal returning to India. Uh, he was unable to manage the uh, uh, other leaders within the Nepal Communist Party. So there were a lot of issues and he was under a lot of pressure. So this 
map issue became a, a, a godsend or a lifeline for the prime minister and he basically picked on this issue to say that look india is you know harming our interests india is uh, taking our territory and uh, you know we cannot allow this and so this precipitate action uh, was taken basically to project himself as another you know great nationalist leader uh, who could stand up uh, uh, to india and you know that is this whole story uh, of 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 the revised map of nepal and you know they have revised this map after 200 years in the last 200 years this has never been the map of nepal and at one go you know with 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 the you know with with the pen they have changed their boundary and clearly this is not acceptable uh, to india uh, and you know we have to find some way of uh, uh, you know getting our relations back on an even keel and i think the government has made some efforts uh, you would have seen that uh, you know uh, the the cabinet secretariat official uh, visited uh, uh, nepal recently uh, i'm not sure that i would have uh, you know strongly endorsed uh, 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 that uh, uh, via media for for uh, uh, big talks with nepal but anyway and following that we've had a very successful visit of our army chief who has just become an honorary general of the nepalese army and this is to be followed by the visit of our foreign secretary so i think what we are now trying to do is really uh, you know to bring uh, to to bring about a thaw in the relationship and at least move uh, uh, you know on on other areas of the relationship on less contentious areas of the relationship you know on the political side on the economic side on the people to people side uh so i think this is a very positive development and the other aspect i think is that you know if we can make the river mahakali instead of a contentious boundary uh, if we can make uh, it a very friendly uh, uh, uh boundary river uh, you know from which both people benefit and you know in this context i think there is renewed uh, energy and a renewed push Uh, for the uh, pancheshwar multipurpose project which is a 5040 megawatt project uh, so i think if we can push this on the substantive side i think this will really strengthen the relationship uh, 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 between the two countries now on the specific boundary issue what can we do so the basic problem that we face uh, i think in india is that you know the nepalese government has now gone ahead with a constitutional amendment with two thirds majority in parliament so if we negotiate with nepal today we need some sort of assurance that whatever settlement is agreed between the two countries will be endorsed by parliament and this means that all the leaders of the major parties in parliament uh, uh, should agree that whatever settlement is arrived at between india and nepal would be endorsed by parliament we would not like a situation where we negotiate with nepal and then the outcome of that negotiation is rejected by the nepalese parliament so i think this is a part of the dilemma uh, 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 that we face and the last point i wanted to say is that you know this boundary issue has come up at a very delicate time in in our region you know india and china are facing a huge standoff Uh, in the Ladakh sector, uh, China has even made uh, unfounded claims uh, on on Bhutanese territory in recent months. Again, there is talk of some uh, activity in the Doklam area. So all these are matters of major concern to India. At this time, 
Nepal raises the issue of the India-Nepal boundary uh, in the Himalayan sector, which is a very uh, important and, and, and very uh, sensitive area. So, you know, this, I think, has caused considerable unease, not only in government circles in India, but also amongst the public. And I think our media has played also a, a, a role in, in all this. So my, you know, feeling for the first time, I'm a little disturbed that the people-to-people -people relationship between the two countries is being negatively impacted. And for the first time, I think the people of India are feeling uh, uh, very suspicious as to why Nepal uh, is doing uh, what it has been doing. So I think it's very important uh, uh, to, to really get our relations uh, back on track and not allow the situation to deteriorate further. And I'm glad that the steps being taken by government uh, 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 you know, are, are, are in this direction, and I, I hope uh, uh, they will bear fruit. Thank you. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Thank you, Rajiv. Uh, I think uh, what you're talking about, about people to people relationship, uh, is, is one of the key factors I think which will bring us back on track in terms of as allies. Uh, in the context of our borders and also in the context of our disputes with China and other borders, which which where the Nepal can also play a good ally as as we can go along and discuss this. So I would now like to bring uh, Napal Chalji into discussion. Uh, he uh, comes from uh, Dharchula. So I'll uh, read out his uh, brief bio before I invite him. Uh, Mr. Napalchal was born in Dhatula, district Bithavagad, uh, in uh, 1950, and he uh, is a member of Indian Administrative Services. He holds MA in English Literature degree from Anabad University. Uh, he served uh, as uh, retired as the Chief Secretary of uh, Government of Uttarakhand, and then he served as the Chief Advisor to the Garden Commission in the state and Chief Information Commissioner, and as well as the uh, uh, Scheduled Tribe Commission Chairman uh, of uh, Uttarakhand. He has vast experience of uh, administration, uh, starting uh, both in UP and Uttarakhand. Uh, he has handled departments like land revenue, disaster risk management, industries, textiles, and loans, public works, finance, loan, and transport. And, uh, his area of interest include reading, writing, traveling, community development. He's also founding member of our community organization from Dharchula called Rankalyan Sasta. So I would like to invite uh, Napal Chalji to throw his, uh, even the personal experience uh, in terms of our uh, community relationship as far as the Indo-Nepal border is concerned, and as well as on the larger historical context also, and how we can go forward from here. We, we can look at the past, but how we can go forward from here. Napal Chalji, please. Thank you, Krishna. Good evening. Uh, my co-panelists. Uh, first of all, I would like to compliment the WOW as well as the RSC Forum for curating this session on India-Nepal relations. I, this is the fittest tribute to Dr. R.S. Tolia, who was an eminent uh, scholar administration administrator. And uh, when this problem first came up, the government of India, other uh, than uh, government of UP, they had approached Dr. Tolia 
to study this problem and he must have definitely made some report to the government of India then. That's what I believe. But unfortunately, uh, uh, the Gurkha rule this part of India for about 25 years and there is very scant literature or uh, uh, documentation done on that period. And our local universities, they have also not done much. But compared to that, I believe uh, JNU has uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Himalayan region central study center under the School of Information Studies. And they have done considerable work on this. So my feeling is that uh, our universities in India, especially in the border states, should uh, uh, engage themselves in this kind of research. And this neglected period of 25 years needs to be relooked. Because without that, I think we are uh, groping in the dark as far as the historical perspective is concerned. What we have now is the Atkinson's volumes, the, in the name of Gadgeteers, of Himalayan Gadgeteers. And beyond that, very little is available. Even the official exchanges between the East India Company and the Nepal Darbar, that is now not accessible to us. At least in our archives, it is not available. And Mr. Rai would know that uh, Mr. Edward Gardner, who was agent to uh, the Nepal Darbar, immediately after the conclusion of the Treaty of Sugali, he has written to the Nepal Darbar, rejected their claim to the Limpia, uh, Dhura, and the other areas uh, which Nepal had subsequently claimed after they had taken the two villages of Changru and Sinkar. And it is based on the premise that Changru and Sinkar were given uh, the Bali uh, Nadi was to uh, was supposed to be originating from Kalapani. And uh, in my a few writings, I had also emphasized there are historical and mythological evidences to point to that. And recently I came across one more evidence which points that Kali Nadi uh, originated from Kalapani. And uh, this is from our Kaav Puran. It is a sort of ritual Puran of our community uh, in which a uh, dead person is guided uh, to the other world. And uh, there is a fable or some sort of anecdote in that, that one prince was being chased by an angry god and he had gone towards Chaudhary uh, uh, and from there he went to Bihar and while trying to escape he had taken shelter at Kalapani and then crossed over to Lipulet and gone to um, Tibet. So there is a mention of Kali Nadi there which had nine streams 
and uh, it also fits with the mythological account of Skandapuran uh, in Manasthan, where it is supposed to have fallen from the head of Lord Shiva. So these evidences are there. Uh, what is important is Nepal had soon after the amended uh, map through the constitution, they had constituted one nine-member committee of experts, an expert group, and they are trying to put together a lot of evidences, but uh, no such efforts seems to have been done by our government, by the government of India, and I very strongly feel that one interdisciplinary group should also be constituted by the government of India in which uh, the foreign relations experts, historians, and uh, the cartographers of the Survey of India representatives, they should all be taken in. And they should also put together the various evidences. Because after all, this deadlock is there. There seems to be some thaw in the relationship between the two countries. But this uh, has to finally go to the table. Uh, for negotiation, and there the hard facts, evidences would have to be produced by both the sides. Nepal seems to be very, very convinced that uh, they have a very strong case. We are also convinced. What is required is we need to convince Nepal. So in order to convincing Nepal, we have to have solid evidences. And for that, I think a systematic study uh, should be done in which even the local evidences should be taken on board. So this does not seem to have been done by the government of India. And uh, my suspicion is that even now the government of India is treating this problem as a very small problem or as a pinprick. Uh, and uh, I think uh, we are sadly mistaken because Nepalese are now, as Mr. Rai was pointed out, the Nepalese, which we used to think they were in the past. Uh, recently, I came across one very good article by uh, the former ambassador to Nepal, Mr. Manjeev Singh, Man Manjeev Singh probably, uh, in which he had written about uh, the Nepalese moving from Banaras to Bangalore. I would add that Nepalese have moved to Boston, not to Bangalore alone. So they have gone far ahead. They are, uh, uh, you know, they have a balancing power to the north, like China. And China has its own designs. They have ready access to the prime minister and also uh, through the free teaching of Mandarin as a language in their schools. I think they are indoctrinating the younger generation in Nepal. So that is a great cause of concern for us. As far as the people-to-people -people relationship is concerned, uh, I think there has not been much change, except that this COVID uh, pandemic has brought about a lot of restrictions. The access to each other's border areas have been uh, restricted. And uh, during the month of May, uh, when the people of these two villages Changru and Tinkar were moving on their annual migration to their uh, native villages. 
that time uh, we had to make some effort to open the gate uh, from the Nepalese side as well as from the Indian side. Now this is the time for them to come down for their winter sojourn in the in Darchula. Now even now uh, there is uh, some problem going on, and we'll have to again step in. Um, trying to persuade both the government, the local administration, to open the route, as well as the uh, gate the, on the bridge in the Hachula. Now, I believe that I was referring to that nine-member expert group which Nepal constituted. They have gathered some evidence, and then they are claiming that uh, these three villages of Kuti, Nadi, and Gunji they uh, were, uh, you know, counted during the census. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. And also they have participated in the first panchayat election on Game 59. And also they have the land courts. So uh, I believe that Nepal has been working very systematically, but... Uh, uh, it is not to be believed because uh, what, whatever evidence they would bring, because our villages, these three villages, and the rest of the other villages in the Bias region, in the Bias Party, they have been going to Nepal uh, during the winter season, and we had villages there in uh, Nepal, in Dhuligada, Devthala, Varvakya, and uh, those villages were given, the land was given on leaves. Uh, to us, as we used to live there during winter season, and uh, to facilitate our trade, local trade, and also to provide the access to the animals and cattle to the vast parcel lands in, in those villages. Uh, I think, I suspect that Nepalese would have done their homework during that time of enumerating the people uh, in the census during those uh, years uh, when they were there in, in those villages in Nepal. And also uh, when the panchayat elections took place, I also remember our people, uh, apart from these three villages, they had participated in these elections. So that is what they are trying to put up as a proof that uh, these three villages had even participated as uh, as citizens and taken part in the elections. But uh, Nepal is on a very, very slippery ground on this because uh, in 1984 or in the mid 80s, uh, uh, when uh, uh, Nepal had asked these three villages, Gunji, Kuti, and uh, uh, Nabi, uh, people from these three villages, to choose either India or Nepal, or they will lose right to the land there in Nepal. At that time, all these three villages, including the other villages, they had rejected the Nepalese citizenship. They had crossed over to India, and after that, never they never went back, and they sold their land, whatever rights, uh, limited rights they had there sold the land to the local people there, and they no longer go to those places. So if Nepal considered the, the citizens of these 
three villages and their own citizens, though there was no occasion for them to ask them to choose between India and Nepal, if they were already their citizens. So Nepal is on a very slippery ground, but we need to put together all these evidences and uh, it has to be put together very systematically. So I hope that government of India uh, would act on that. And as far as Nepalese media and uh, some uh, and people, uh, uh, sections of press are concerned, they are launching all sort of propaganda. And recently the most serious one was that uh, they were trying to lure the people of uh, Gunji, Kuti, and uh, Navi uh, by giving them money, land, and other uh, you know, allurements uh, to be citizens of uh, uh, Nepal. And that propaganda was found to be totally false, unfounded. So this has been going on, and uh, unless some a uh, conducive atmosphere is created for talks between the two countries. This kind of uh, vitiation of atmosphere will go on. So I only hope that government of India wakes up sooner than later and they come to the terms that they have to come up with the evidence. Uh, sadly, our survey of India and especially the retired officer who could also come up like the Nepalese Survey of India, retired, Survey of Nepal retired officers are doing a lot of work. Our people seem to be totally oblivious of what is happening or what was their role during when they were in the service and what is their duty to the country. So uh, I, I think that we need to think very hard about it. Thank you.